Hello everyone, welcome to Heart's Happiness Podcast. The place where I, Manpreet, share my journey of healing intergenerational family trauma to help you to understand your story. I share a bunch of tools and tips that will transform your mental health and allow you to find your own heart's happiness. So exciting, right? Each episode will cover one of three areas. One, raising awareness of what this trauma actually is and how it hides in our lives. Two, tools, tips, support, lots of different things that I've used to get better and heal from this trauma. And three, I'll be connecting you with so many specialists and therapists and coaches as guests on my show. So we are going to transform your mental health and empower you to take your healing by the hands and move forward. Hello, my loves. I am interviewing a fellow coach about her trauma transformation journey. She has quite the story. It's very inspirational. She talks about overcoming awful traumas. And just a trigger warning, we are talking about sexual abuse trauma. So if that is something that you've experienced, just be mindful. Like maybe it's not the right time for you to listen. You could come back another time. But we'll be talking about how she has been able to change her life despite the awful things that she went through. And I love bringing in people to share these type of stories that no matter how dark life got, there's a way that we can find the light and be able to move past these things and have an incredible life, which is why I've brought Becky on. And because I'm really passionate about helping you to rewrite your story of trauma and This month, I'm opening up seven new spaces for one-to-ones. So these are the last spots for this year. We're actually starting in September. So if you are ready to transform whatever your trauma story is, rewrite your story so you're going for your happiness. So whether that's changing your relationship patterns, changing the work that you do, changing the relationship you have with yourself and your past. I work with people intuitively, but also using the hundreds of tools that I've used on myself and using the magic of EFT tapping and eye movement as well to help you release the trauma from your bodies. So that's seven spots. There's a link to booking a call if you want to discuss that with me. And also, if you want to be inspired to heal, to be part of a community that is the same as you, I am meeting people for the first time in person on Sunday the 19th of November from 12pm to 5pm in person at Prince Regent's Hotel. Tickets are £66 this month. So if you want to join us, get that early bird ticket. You get lunch included because I'm Indian and I can't help but feed people. So we'll have lunch and then I'll be inspiring the sh- inspiring the shit out of you to clear your trauma, to step into your purpose, to find your happiness with some amazing guests. So if you want to treat yourself to an early Christmas present, um, come and join me on the 19th of November. And yes, if you have been thinking about one-to-one for a while, then do get in now. My prices are changing all of the time due to availability. So um, and next year, as I am planning our family, I'm not sure what one-to-one looks like next year. So if you've been thinking about it for a while, then do jump in because the results that we've been having have been incredible. In fact, I'm probably going to have some of my... um, people onto the podcast soon as well to share their stories but yes I am going to stop waffling on and pass you on to Becky. Hi Becky I'm so excited that we've managed to squeeze this in and would you like to introduce yourself and explain what it is that you do? 
Yeah, sure. I am Becky Colwell and I've started to call myself a sales without selling coach um, because I help kind, heart-led solopreneurs or family businesses sell more of what they do without feeling sleazy, slimy or uncomfortable. <laughs> I love that. And the way that our paths crossed was such a cool story. So me and Becky were at the same event. So we were at Susie Ashworth, this coach that we both follow, uh, which was a super inspirational event. And I got over my fear of speaking on the stage. And um, Becky came up to me afterwards and was like, oh my God, I listened to your podcast. And it was just <laughs> like the weirdest thing. I follow you. And I was just like, what? That's so crazy. I can't believe I have somebody that listens to my podcast in the audience. So it was this really cool moment. And then you, you know, shared that you'd been through some stuff of your own performance, which is why you listen to my podcast. Yeah. And that you've been on quite the journey of healing. So that is why I've brought you on today to share that transformation. Because people that are in the thick of the trauma or re recovery from it can yeah. feel like they're just lost in the dark. So I just love bringing on people like you that are inspiring, that have been there, and that have come through the other side. So, yeah, let's start. How did it all begin? The trauma, <laughs> the bad stuff, the darkness. <laughs> yeah, well, look, funny enough, I was just jotting down um, earlier today for something completely different, but we moved nine times in my childhood, oh which my I, I, I've never really considered that that would have been difficult in its own right, but of course it it is. <laughs> Um, but between those moves um, was a dad who was violent, who didn't really want me, who, you know, actually told, shouted and told me off in his sleep, apparently. And I woke up as a as a toddler. Oh, I haven't done anything. I haven't done so bless. <laughs> and yeah, of anger. yeah, absolutely. And. My mum decided to leave him at the point when he did actually hit me too. Mm. Uh, again, I don't remember stuff like that. Um, apparently, though, again, as a toddler, I was, daddy, daddy, don't hit mummy. You were very Trying little. to get in between them. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. so you just brought up in like a bit of a war zone. Chaotic, yes, yes. And when my mum eventually left, or he left her, I think, actually, I'm not 100% sure of what happened. My mum then fell straight, pretty much straight into another relationship that wasn't great. Um, oh, no. So my stepfather was alcoholic and he sexually abused me from oh. a very young age. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, my mum got coerced into supporting a little bit of that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a very confusing time for me wow that is just yeah. insane and when you meet you and you've got this beautiful bubbly light <laughs> gorgeous energy you would just Bless never you. know that that is what you've been through yeah it's mad yeah well this is but this is the reality isn't it um energy or not actually you can't tell from the outside no and we do a great through. great job of hiding it anyway don't we just don't we and you you know, I could go into, well, uh, the Adverse Childhood Experiences yeah, test. Yeah, 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 test. Yeah, I get Yeah, I will, I get nine out of ten. So not quite. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy, isn't it? And all of these things clearly uh, make a difference to our lives. I, I was 
lucky in the fact that I, through various different things, instead of being put into care, I went to boarding school from the age of eight, but it took me out of the, um, for that stuff to be the norm. So I'd come home, stuff would happen, but then I'd be out of it in school. So, yeah. So in some ways that really saved me and certainly the education I got there really saved me because, you know, we lived in poverty a lot of the time. The money went on booze that are still in the kitchen. Um, how the hell did you get to yeah. okay. <laughs> I know I know the local county council really oh, just yeah. it's unbelievable where I could have been uh, as opposed to where I am actually Manbury. um crazy really but yeah and and we <laughs> so my stepdad was still the potatoes um that had been dyed purple for the pigs um that were left outside the supermarket and we'd bring them home and we'd peel the purple dye off the potato till the potato was really small but not dyed anymore so that we could then cook them so there's this little girl who's experiencing that at home and yet going to a boarding school where there were um, a number of very privileged girls and some who would um, many of them were parents were in the forces and I never fitted in (laughs) never fitted in anywhere basically Um, that the way I spoke, the family, it just always felt like I never fitted in. So, yeah. not belonging, eh? No, no. The and family that as well, like, belonging. Yeah. yeah, and out, you know, in a, in both with your real dad and then your yeah. stepdad, and even with your mum, just yeah, being safe, not belonging. That's such a no. such pain for a small child to grow yeah. up. And in those formative years as well, zero to seven, you've got a massive amount yes. of things happening. Yeah. Yeah, all all of the above happened at those ages. So, and and the other thing for me actually, which I think is is really important to talk about, is actually just the the amount of families who I was part of and then who I wasn't part of anymore. So my 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 step two stepdad's families, my so my dad's mom. other halves as well. So step step mums as well and all of those families I had cousins aunts and uncles and and grandparents who were there one day and weren't there the next and and that also meant that I just never felt like I belonged never felt like I was worthy yeah and so much abandonment as well yeah absolutely and I didn't get those words it's only in the last five years I couldn't have told you I didn't feel worthy what what a ridiculous of course I'm worthy I'm I'm superwoman and look how much I've achieved and because I was really driven and um you know did really well at work and really well um yeah just really well in that respect so financially I looked successful and mm. from the outside I looked You're a survivor successful. though, aren't you? So that's a kind of yeah. how survive. Yeah, absolutely. What I didn't realise, well there's yeah, what I didn't realise was that I was perpetuating those feelings of and I still do actually, I still need to catch myself on this, that I'm I'm perpetuating the feelings of not feeling safe. Yes. That it's, that it's almost normal. 
different those feelings yeah yeah because well that's the thing I I find this as well you can do all of the work on yourself but at the end of the day our nervous system was built you know zero to seven and we can do work on it and we can tone it and we can you know stretch it a little bit Mm. but the amount of times that I will feel lonely I can't even tell you and I know that that is not to do with my life today that is the little girl that's inside of me and the amount of times that old pain from that little girl floats up Right. And that lack of that's like you said, knowing yeah. that you're safe all of the time. I have to go yes. look out the window. There's yep. a big danger here. Yep. He's not here having a go at you. You live with a really nice man. Can we please take that in? I have to constantly do that because any small thing can trigger it. It's actually insane. Yeah. And I think it's really normal. Yes, it is. But it's wonderful now and I'm I'm 55 this year Mampre and I've only really started doing this work at, at 50 would you believe Which it I love. So, never too late right yeah no it really isn't it really isn't and and I had no idea that I could impact my emotional state myself yes you know so actually being able to sit and and in my head go I'm safe I'm safe, I'm safe, and bring myself down is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. And 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 something like, oh my God, I do wish I'd learned I'd learned earlier. Yeah, I would have saved decades. Yeah. But like <laughs> um, you know, and that's the thing. I, I'm always chatting about this to my clients. So I always talk about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah. and how you know the bottom bit is you know, food, shelter, etc., which you got. Yeah. But the second rung, which is to do with safety, emotional yeah. safety is part of that. When you are like, am I going to get sexually abused? Am I going to get yep. shot at? Am I going to have food? When you're living in that way, yeah. I mean, you didn't even have food all the time, so you didn't even get a bottle <laughs> one. So like, when you're living in that way, you as a child just learn to hold your breath, yeah, be on high alert, be hypervigilant, be really good you know be yes. ambitious like you learn all your survival skills and that you can learn how to feel that emotional safety within when you learn those tools that is just incredibly life-changing like I see it with my clients how they are in a world of pain they want me to take it away from them but when I teach them how they're just like oh my god I've got so much time <laughs> I have to be anxious all the time and like stress about things I can actually just watch tv it's all fine you know and it's it really is life-changing isn't it yeah and I'm still working on it I think I think that you know again I didn't have the words I didn't understand that a lot of my behaviors were um around anxiety because I I had huge anxiety but I didn't realize it um yeah I just just didn't have the words for my reactions or or whatever and I didn't understand that I could not control them but I could be um understanding of myself forgiving of myself and also breathe through changing how I felt yeah and uh, I'd had a little bit of counseling when I was in my late 20s early 30s I um as a, as a double whammy, um, I, I married a lovely man, but who really wasn't right for me. But we ended up childless, not through choice. And so at the time I was trying to get pregnant and um, ended up taking a um, an, an overdose Aww. that um, 
that actually was my second one. The first one was when I was 15. It's a whole other story, but um, two big bouts of depression that led to those. And um, the counselling I had, they asked me which was most important, you know, the childlessness or the or the abuse that I'd suffered. And so we, I had a small bit of counselling about the abuse. And, and actually what was interesting with that is it allowed me to understand that it was his problem, not mine. Yeah. So it wasn't your fault. Yes. Yeah. So I, women carry on a lot of shame. Yeah, don't we? We think don't it's powerful that they've yes. done things to yes. us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um yeah, to be able to release that then was huge. What I didn't realise was I was still carrying and that took me till I was 50 to to understand and unpack the carrying still the number one the anger about with my mum around those circumstances and yeah yeah um and now I understand that yes she was um guilty of her behavior she she did these things she was guilty but she was also not to blame because of her generational trauma and her situation and she yeah. was trying to survive and she was much younger and and g- didn't have the the skills to be able to articulate well, how she felt and yeah it's as well. so I guess hard. like your parents yes. you know yeah, like yeah. changing partners all yeah. the time and yeah all absolutely. of that that just screams attachment trauma doesn't it doesn't it yeah. absolutely like, oh I'm trying to find this yeah. feeling outside of myself to make myself feel better oh that person yeah. isn't it oh there'll be someone else but there isn't. Yeah. It's always inside of you. No, absolutely. And I do know, um, you know, yeah, that my dad in particular, I know his dad was violent to him. He was violent to um, one of my stepbrothers who was then violent to his kids. And it's awful that yeah, that like generational. Yeah, yeah. And it does take, you know, your eyes being opened that actually you can do something about these actions and reactions that you have, but you have to be willing to to take those steps. Yeah. And, and I thought I would never stop crying. When I first yeah. started looking at this, I thought I would never yeah, it's stop. It's so hard crying. Isn't it? in the beginning. Yeah. Just like, oh, this yeah. is so awful. Because you have yeah. this realization of what's happened to you yes you've been running yeah. from it for so long and then you yeah I've seen that again with many many clients and they're just like oh my god this happened to me yeah I thought it was all my fault but this happened to me yes. and it's that realization and yeah things get a bit dark when you're in there that's why I like to bring people like you in yeah. <laughs> you might be in that dark tunnel but there is a way out because you kind of have yeah. to you have to kind of let the wound heal yeah, and and get the every support that you can to do that. You, you know, I I'm still on this journey. I'm only five years in, really. Um, yeah. You know, and I am beyond changed in respect of my. I, actually, I'm going to use the word worthy again because it is beyond um, my worthiness. Used to be completely outside me, all about what I earn or what my job title was or you know what people thought and and now 
I am so much more about what's going on inside and how I feel inside and my worthiness is there anyway and it's just a shame I never realized it always was there yeah you know which is so beautiful I mean for you to some people never like your parents never going to have that in their lifetime no no. like they're just not going to that's not part of their journey here but what I was going to ask you yeah all this awful stuff that's happened to you you mentioned how that started to show up as like if you I like to call them symptoms when you are an adult so the maybe the I don't know if you were overworking to be overstudying and you know trying to be perfect all those things you mentioned like a relationship that was you know good but wasn't right for you yeah and um, you mentioned looking for, you know, validation outside of yourself. Yeah. What, what other ways was that trauma displaying in your behavior? Like, were you people pleasing? Were you emotionally eating? Was it self-hate? You know, we all have a yeah. way that it kind of displays. Yeah. I would say um, that number one, that codependence, that people pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. During lockdown, I, I, uh, ran a codependence anonymous group oh my god I used to go to those <laughs> did you yeah <laughs> there we go I used um, to go to the female yeah. only one <laughs> yeah okay yes this was an online female only one so yeah and and it really helped me yeah get to grips with what behaviors of mine were all about pleasing other people and I still have a habit of doing that oh yeah me so too. I have to catch myself I um, do it with my clients sometimes I'm like what the yeah hell am I doing? go have a rest because you're not supposed yeah. to leave them <laughs> yes yes yeah exactly and all you can do is give people the tools to save themselves can't you it's, yeah. it's one of those you can support them but you can't do it the work addiction as well like yes. you can lose yes. yourself in it yeah like like a caring empathetic yeah just like it's a proper little drug basically yes isn't it isn't it It because it's wonderful when you sort something out for somebody and yeah yeah. (laughs) you do all the things for everybody else but then I don't know about you but I started to feel really like resentful because I'd be like well they're not doing it for me but I wasn't letting people do anything for me I was too busy doing things for everybody else yeah I was in one relationship and um I remember actually shouting and at them and saying who do you want me to be yeah because I'll be that person but you need to let me know who I need to be yeah I used to feel like that yeah I used to feel like that with my dad so badly yes yeah I don't know if you ever felt like that with your parents like I will fold myself up into whatever you want me to fold it myself up into I just want you to stop being horrible to me yeah yeah and then you absolutely other men yeah yes yeah, definitely. And the other thing that that happened with me was because my mum was very, she, a beautiful, wonderful woman who um, only passed away 18 months ago and had oh. standing room only at her funeral and was really much loved. Um, and she was somebody who regularly went from having great friends to then becoming carers for her because she was disabled to then them sort of throwing in the towel and walking out of her life. And what I saw was she was also quite narcissistic, although mm-hmm. those who saw one side of her would never have believed that. Um, yes. But I phoned her after having a, a um, had my first mammogram and had a, um, a, a, a something wrong came up. So I needed to have biopsies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, 
in the end, I was absolutely fine. So it was no problem at all. But I phoned my mum after the event and said, this is what happened. And she started shouting at me for not telling her sooner. And how dare I not tell her sooner and put the phone down on me without even asking what had actually happened. <laughs> and I can laugh about it now because it's just, it opened that particular situation, which only happened a few years ago. Well, uh, four and a half years ago. Um, really allowed me to see how she'd always been yeah the pattern that you've been within with yeah. her yeah absolutely because yeah. it becomes about her needs and not yours yes always and yeah. it always was um yeah. and that's still hard sometimes you know to, yeah, yeah, to, to think like there was no one who was really she loved me dearly there's no you know and she wanted to protect me and keep me safe and she was these things too yeah yeah, yeah exactly. exactly like um my mum super lovely woman I've had her on the podcast and um she was definitely the safer parent the more caring parent yes. the more loving parent like everybody would yeah. be like she's an absolute angel um but she could not take out her emotions on the men around her or her, yeah. her parents for marrying her to this family and this man. So I was the person that she would take that out on. So yeah. I was the person that she would give silent treatment to or um, blame or shame for how she was feeling because, you know, our parents are basically grown up teenagers. Yes. <laughs> They've yes. just got a lot of wounds and then they're raising us from those wounds and then they're, they're just they're passing on their shame they're passing on their toxic shame they're immerse giving it to you in a little wrapped up bundle giving it to you they've been carrying it their whole life and now they're giving it to you and that's the disease that we're trying to break here on this podcast because Absolutely. you know like I, I know it's so so sad that you weren't able to have your children but you know it that part of you I, I don't know about you because because I've unconsciously this is something that I've been holding on to for a long time yeah. I didn't feel safe to procreate in, in all honesty because I didn't trust myself with who I'm going to pick as the father I didn't trust myself I didn't think the world's safe or a place I want to bring children in so I've been running from that for a long time and now you know at 41 on that journey and it's a journey for me uh -huh. to have children because my mind doesn't think it's safe so my body is reacting to that and that's something again us ch children of trauma you know when things like fertility issues and health problems they are coming from the trauma wound yes yes and also that that, that there's another side to that as well for me certainly was you know we went through so far around treatment and looking at different things but I didn't feel able to push for IVF because I didn't feel stable enough yeah. was the reality. And I don't think I felt worthy of it. I oh, you know what? I was just about to say that. Yeah. To you. That is something yeah. I've been working on so much. I'm worthy yeah. of you, Mum. Yeah. You know? Oh, and you, you know, so are. <laughs> thank you. you know? I know that. I know that as an yeah. adult. But it's like these yes. old wounds that you carry. Yeah, but it's absolutely. like. I, I don't know about you I had the same with am I worthy of being loved by someone that's safe and good for me mm -hmm. am I worthy of having a, a job I love am yeah. I worthy of having a nice home am I worthy of having yes. more money am I yeah. worthy of having yeah. my babies or whatever for me everything has been a mountain yeah. to climb of getting over the worthiness yeah. 
Well, especially when, certainly for me, I didn't even understand those words. I didn't yes. get it. No, no, because you don't yeah. yeah, it was it's so just like, unconscious. You're just in the darkness. You don't yeah. know. So you're just like, no. yeah, I'm not going to do IVF. No, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And I'd approached somebody. So I was 29 and I'd approached an agency um, about adopting. And she said to me, oh, well, maybe you need to foster teenagers instead of adopt because you're a bit too old for babies. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, I was at 29. And again, I didn't push any of it any further because I just felt like it wasn't. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I, I wanted it, but I also thought, well, I'm just rejected again. Yeah. That, that sense of rejection. Oh, my goodness. So I, I am also realising I've potentially... Um, got ADHD the inattentive type so I'm not hyperactive anymore but I was as a kid but I'm also understanding that a lot of trauma responses are very similar to ADHD so I I don't really mind where it comes from it I'm what I'm realizing is I'm perfectly normal (laughs) and I've got perfectly normal reactions to the experiences that I found myself in and I'm being kind to myself about those reactions that's really really good so um, mm. I was going to say as well, um, just going back to a little mm. point you made earlier, which was, I don't know if you can re- relate to this, but you know, when you've been abused as a child, mm. you just, you feel like there's something not right with, you feel like there's, you're yeah. wrong. You basically yes. feel like you're wrong. So when you can't have babies, mm. when your relationships break down, when you fall in love with a man that doesn't want you back, it's you think, ah, oh, it's because I'm wrong. It's all proof. Because you know, <laughs> I should just die. Yeah. Uh, I'm just a complete waste of space. Again, it's that shame that's been passed along. So that's why, and I, this is what breaks my heart for people that have grown up with trauma and then have mm. such, they don't have dreams. They don't think they're worthy of happiness. And it's because yeah. of that shame that they're carrying. It's not because it isn't possible for them. And with healing, we realize what's possible for us. And we start to expand our awareness to want more for ourselves. But when we're in that, we just think, well, well I'll, I, if I was you and I'd got all of that, I'd be like, well, it just wasn't meant for me because poor no. me, nothing no. worked about me. No, and it's it's what I deserve. I'm not good enough. That, yeah. um, that feeling of I'm not good enough. It's um, not like you fought for it because you didn't think it was ever going to be. No. no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. And and certainly with um, a fair bit of digging, what I realise is one of my big things is um, doing the wrong thing not doing the wrong thing and that came from I think probably really really early with my dad like being told off and and him being violent and 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 stuff and it just always felt like oh my god I've done the wrong thing again like I I'm just rubbish at life at this whatever it might be yeah you <laughs> but it was like yeah vision. not good enough yeah Yeah. you turn off your intuition you turn off your you just follow the fear in your mind well you're just so in I call it the trauma brain so the contracted Mm -hmm. you know fear-based that survival instinct we are just in that all of the time for decades which is absolutely exhausting yeah because you're just pumping yourself with stress hormones because every day you are fighting your tiger and the tiger lives within you absolutely absolutely and that that 
for for me, I'm still on this journey. Um, you know, life I wouldn't say is is perfect, but I don't know that life is ever perfect. It's about curveball too. Yeah, exactly. But it is about um living with my fears, feelings, and reactions and being kind to myself and understanding them a bit better so that I can move through them um one of the things you mentioned earlier you know one of the things I still do is I still emotionally eat I mm-hmm. you know it's and I'm thing. much more conscious and much more better that than I was about that you yeah. know because I'm on this journey but yeah. it, it's it's like yeah um I'm more forgiving of that yeah. now any any body issues with like body shame with that? Because that's yeah. a big part of again growing yeah. up. With people. You no, can have a absolutely. lot of like hating the yeah. way we look, hating our yes. body, and then yeah. not treating them so well. Like yeah. when I've been emotionally eating for years, or you know, and I've drunk lots at quick periods mm-hmm. as well. It's like I don't give a shit about my body. I just want to. No. I just want to. Yes. Like, I want to dissociate. I want to leave. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that I. Um, Yeah, I, well, number one, my mum has, I have a similar body shape to her and she was always fighting with her weight. And so at the age of eight, I asked a friend who was diabetic, who happened to be slim, you you know, can you help me diet so I can be slim like you? I mean, what? Oh, it's such a shame, isn't it? So I I grew up yo-yo dieting. And again, it was only a few years ago that I've gone, okay no more dieting I now need to make small incremental changes that are sustainable for life because I cannot do this again to my body where I lose five stone and then put it on again even quicker I just cannot do that anymore so I'm in that I'm on that path at the moment where you know I'm adding stuff to my diet that's good for me rather than trying to deprive myself of the things that sometimes I need and which is very kind yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to be kind to myself. It doesn't always work, does it? You're doing amazing. <laughs> I mean, to to you have been in the darkness in your pain till you were like fifty. Yeah, that's a yeah. long time. And you know, and then it's you know what I always think is my parents they weren't doing the trauma to me anymore. I was doing it to yeah. myself. Yes, emotions I was putting myself yes. in the in yeah. the relationships I was being part of in the jobs I thought that was all I could have you know I I was continuing to do it it wasn't them and that's when we have to take responsibility for our own happiness and sort of go okay how can I how can I do that and what was the thing that switched you to go on to like the healing path yeah well the thing that switched me was a argument where I behaved in a way that I never wanted to behave like again and it was like I can't do this anymore whatever you know the other party and their behaviors as well it didn't really matter it was about the bit that my bit and it was like oh god I don't ever want that to happen again ever 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 and so it was like it was almost like the pain of staying the same was now greater than my fear that's exactly the pain of healing yeah 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 I love that that's so that's so what it is, isn't it? Because people say to me, but how can I do it? I'm like, yeah. one day you're just going to really know that there's no other way. Yeah, 
but I'm pissed off really that I, excuse my language, that I took me till that age to go, I really need to do something about this. But I, I'd driven myself forwards before then, you know, I was great. At, you know, I was in good jobs. I was learning well. I was, you know, like I said, outwardly very successful. And, and it was almost like this, this, this drive to, to overwork and you know I was always the one who worked late every single day you know there there were some jobs where I did 60 70 hours in a week for them and it's only now that I've sit, sat there and thought you know what nobody actually asked me to do that work <laughs> true I say that to myself all because yeah. my overworking has followed up with my business and yes, I went the other day it's very like, easy it's <laughs> like I'm trying to please my dad and he's dead. <laughs> you know, I had this moment yeah. when I had my VIP day with my coach and we were like, I had realised I'd reached half the target I set myself and I hadn't even yeah. noticed. I'd been so busy working and beating myself up about what I haven't been able to achieve. Yes. And this crazy achieving thing comes from trying to win his love. And it was yep. doing it again, unconsciously done so much work on myself, unconsciously doing it from that wound and then all of a sudden it presents itself and it's like, what am I doing? He's not even alive. You know, yeah. who are you doing this for? Who are you creating this whole thing for? What are you doing? And it was like a real reality check because that's that's what we do. So it sounds like to survive, that's what you did because overworking, achieving is again, yeah. gets your drug, gets your yes. cortisol, gets your adrenaline going, allows you to escape your emotions. You know, like you said, everybody outside wouldn't know you were struggling. I mean, nobody knew I was struggling when I was going through my bad times because you look great. It's all yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. And the only way, the only symptom, outward symptom to other people, well, I was probably a right stress head, to be fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also the weight going up and down, that would have been a good indicator to people about something yeah. going on because, yeah. You know, so and it didn't starving play, yourself or overeating. So you know, and it didn't play itself out obviously with relationships with men at all. So you mentioned that you were married before. Yeah, no, it did. I totally thought sex was love. Totally mm. thought sex was love. So mm. I, you know, lurched from one relationship to another or one non-relationship to another. Um, totally looking for love in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I totally thought love was rejection. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. you're rejecting me so much. This is just some yes. game. I could win. Yeah, I can yeah. achieve so much. I'll be really. I can I'll, make I'll lose you weight love and me. I can press yes. and all sorts. Yes. And, yeah. you know, oh, just oh god. <laughs> you know, oh, just thinking I back, know. it just I it know. wasted a lot of time. It really yeah. did. Yeah. Well, the shame of it was really, and I've reflected on this over the years now again now I'm more healed but um I met a lad um in in my teens and after we'd done the deed he then didn't get in contact again and unfortunately that was my first sort of consensual um yeah situation so Ah, you then, that then exacerbated those feelings of, yeah, love and sex and being sort of combined because actually 
yeah, I think had he been um, committed and, yeah, kind in that situation, because we still hung out together. It was one of those weird situations where you're all yeah, still okay. in a gang of mates and, and stuff. And, yeah, it's a shame, really, because I suspect perhaps I wouldn't have gone off the rails quite so much as I did, but I was very promiscuous in my yeah. youth. And, oh, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, again, perfectly normal, but it is uh, very normal. yeah, yeah, it's very normal. Well, that's what you thought you were worth, right? Exactly, not love exactly. or being taken care yeah. of, just you know, I don't know exactly. Yeah. Well, it's under what you've been through, it's completely understandable yeah. that you would, you know. And, and I think sometimes when you're looking at yourself and you're looking at the past behaviors that you had, and I know with my clients, they can feel such a struggle to have compassion for that part. But that part was in pain. They did not know any better. And what all that part was trying to do was survive. Yes. Survive, yeah. not die, not kill yeah. them. Yes. Survive. Well, G- Gabor Mate says um, to um, addicts, doesn't he, about um, well done on staying alive. Yeah. Because it's, say. yeah, it's totally about You've got to be you're running away someone. from. You've got to have yeah. sex if you need to get. <laughs> yeah. Whatever keeps you going until you're ready Sorry. to put the substance down and yes. go again, which, like yeah. we said, for a bit can be quite dark. Yes. And then yeah. you know, start to see the little bits of light crack through. Yeah, and I think that 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 is all around the acknowledgement bit, isn't it? And then you go through, in my opinion, it's, it's like the grieving process. You go through Absolutely. that flow of sort of like acknowledgement and then... I can't remember the stages, but, but certainly anger's in there, and and you, you know withdrawal and um yeah bargaining like you tell yourself that you haven't you're okay yes. yeah, it's all part yeah. Of it. yeah and the and the other thing what you'll notice and I'm sure this is what you're because the healing journey never mm. is other things will happen to you and then it will bring some of that grief back you know yes. I found like having my miscarriage last year. I've had waves of other grief and other wounds come through. And when I was overworking, I was running from it because that's what I like to do. Yes. Old habits run, you know, are hard to let go of. And especially when you're just so in it, you don't realise. And then the minute that I stopped, that's when all the tears started to flow. And last week I was off. I cried every single day. I don't even know what I was crying about. It was just part of my process. Every single day I cried about something. I was missing my dad which is crazy because he was a nightmare, but I do, mm-hmm. I definitely miss him. Yeah. And, you know, I'm missing, you know, what I put myself through, you know, like all of these things that you have to kind of grieve and allow to pass through you. And then the exciting thing is that you get to meet the real you. So tell us a little bit about where you are now in your healing journey. Like, what does that look like? Well, for me, what it looks like is starting to be. So, what it looks like is being fully in full knowledge of my worthiness and full. There's very little shame that I carry now about yeah. anything. So, that's the the big change for me. And now I'm also less reactive two situations and when I do feel a reaction I'm more likely to catch it or to soothe myself sooner mm-hmm. in a in a healthy way yeah and 
I am still probably overworking myself as a solopreneur. <laughs> and yeah, and I'm still one thing that I'm not doing yet, and it's come up a number of times in the last few few months is finding joy in my day. Yes, so that's, I'm that's, working on that as well. Are you? Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. someone I was doing a little course mm. and what she said was amazing. She says, you can't schedule in joy. You've got to just yeah. find it in every moment. So I've been yes. really looking out for it when my husband is saying one of his ridiculous jokes and I actually <laughs> laugh like, from my belly. I'm like, there's a moment of joy. Yes. And my cat was acting like she was going to kill something, but she's yeah. tiny compared to it moment of joy you know just actually you know yes really helps absolutely absolutely so yeah that's my next mission really is how do I weave that in in a way that that is sustainable and just reminds me that there are those moments and that I am looking forward yeah amazing and I know because I just because I follow you on Mm. the gram that even though you didn't have your own babies some babies found their way to you. Yes, yes. So I am Nanny B. <laughs> I have five, soon to be six grandchildren um, by marriage, and all but but one of them have been born since I've been with my husband. So Aww. yeah. Tell me about yeah. your husband. Did you meet him before you started healing? After you started healing? Yes, before I started healing, and he also had some healing to do too, and we've sort of been on a, a path of um, self-discovery, and we're still on that path, we're still yeah. on that path, but he's a, a man who can be incredibly kind and loving, and yeah, um, is supportive of my hopes and dreams, and mm, yeah, that. we've we've done... He's he's helped me be braver in this yeah. world, actually. So oh, yeah. That. Well, you yeah. know, when you find someone that you can be safe with, yeah, absolutely. Isn't absolutely. that like? I feel like that's quite life changing. Yeah. When you're yeah. just like, I mean, it's not perfect, and it's maybe not all the things that you maybe thought love would be. Sometimes, but sometimes I'm just like, I'm oh, God, I'm really safe to be me, to be you know the not so great version of me and you know the better <laughs> version of me and the you know the darker sides of me like it's safe and we can actually there's a lot of research on this that the attachment trauma that we had as children we can repair that with you know the, our adult relationship so even with you two being on that journey together yeah. But you both learning how to regulate your emotions, take care of yourself, and then build a secure relationship with each other because you have a secure relationship with yourselves. You with have yourselves, a secure... yes. Yeah, so you can. Because in the old days, I'd be like, you know, why are these men not fixing all of my problems for me? Isn't that what men are supposed to do? You're meant to be with them and they're meant to, you know, everything's meant to be fabulous. That's what the film's like. Yeah, no, it's... Um, <laughs> I was always around the... Oh, they will complete me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, it's just nothing better than being in like. Oh my god! And it's like, what a load of rubbish. <laughs> yeah, and like, but the thing is, is like, yeah. it's whatever your soul needs. Like one of the exercises yeah. that I'll get my lady mm. to do that I try, that want to find love is what what feels safe to you, rather than what is that chemistry that you've been longing for. Yeah. Safety, what feels who are the people in your life that feel good? Because 
so often unconsciously we're chasing after mum and dad and not actually after the people that feel good to us and if we start to change that then that really starts to um again repair some of that attachment damage that was done earlier in our lives absolutely and I do believe again the people pleasing thing comes into that doesn't it as well that whole thing of um yeah finding somebody to fix finding somebody to help finding someone it just like yeah if you're not careful being drawn to those types of people is a very easy outcome it's a trap rather than yeah. like you say yeah um, finding finding the right one who makes you feel safe so. yeah again that's a journey to get there in itself mm. And your work that you do now, because you were like me, you worked in the corporate world. Actually, you were a business analyst like me. As yeah, well. I know. <laughs> That's so crazy. And so did you find that before healing, after healing? No, that was afterwards, actually. I, I literally had the best contract that I'd had as a BA at the best daily rate with a fabulous company who were really, yeah, great at their outlook on the on the world and on their um responsibilities and it just didn't light me up anymore that realization that I wanted more connection and a deeper um conversation with people and so yeah actually I I stopped corporate and started teaching sewing literally got myself a studio and then locked down (laughs) came so yeah yeah so there was a little bit of a journey there about okay what where 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 am I actually going to go um and as it turned out the sewing side I love I love my arts and crafts but they're a hobby that should be kept a hobby rather than a business yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it's a journey isn't it to find out what you absolutely I really like again I see this with with in my work and with the people that I help that when you're on a healing journey and you're starting to uncover your true self and what brings you joy and happiness you do start to realize that maybe you've been out of alignment with like your career or the corporate world or it just doesn't make sense so I I feel like it's quite natural for them people the further they go on their healing journey to become entrepreneurs or go and work for people that they're inspired by or that is more in alignment with them and I I I feel that that's just like a natural thing as part of you evolving yeah whether it's like you want to create your own thing or you want to go work for somebody that that is more charity or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's so many coaches go work for us for one of those no absolutely absolutely and certainly I thought at one point that I might be doing things around healing and, and other people healing. And, and I realized that actually I'm still on my own journey. Yes. And and that I help in a different way. You know, I help those who um who who really do change lives. You know, I support yeah. them and I'm really happy to do that because I still get to work with some amazing, beautiful souls. Yeah. Um and and see them fly. I love that. I yeah, love that, it's actually. incredible. Mm-hmm. And they're spreading their light in the world, right? Which yeah. is yeah. Is that's what we get to do, you know, like we come out, we heal, we get through our dark stuff, mm-hmm. we uncover who we are meant to be, we put out a light in the world and that's how we get to change that ugliness that's been here for such a long time that we've had to experience as children and I just think 
like how amazing is that that we can we actually can change the world with the what we do and you know the, the work that we can put out in the world and when I met you that day when you spoke up to me after the event and you said did <laughs> I was yeah. like oh my god I know so many people that need that because again people that are like empathic or people pleasers or you know codependence in recovery we struggle to price ourselves properly we struggle to like sell anything like I've got an yeah. amazing client she's really wants to become a kids coach but the minute that I say well you got to sell something to be in yeah. a business she's like nervous system is shutting down she's not yes. feeling worthy all yes. of the things happen the ick starts to come because we're talking about money so yeah. and that's what you help people with right yeah it is it is my business is called heart to heart sales and so I do I help people who really um, most of my clients are either family businesses or um, women in business who are kind and who hate even asking for money actually and so I help them get get the words that make it feel great and get the understanding of the situation that help them really move forwards on those things because we've had this conversation before that traditional sales training um oh it's it's, it's traumatizing it's horrible and you know yeah it's very nasty sneak, sneak into their dms uh, which isn't traditional because it's more current but or that close the deal or handle them after them when they don't get back to you i hate that I yes hate that. no no so i'm not into any of that i'm into yeah. let's have a real think about how they might be thinking and let's help, you know, how your client might be thinking. Because the sales doesn't have them. to be icky because I, yeah. I, sh- I did a live recently with my coach and I said the hilarious thing. I wasn't making any money because I wasn't actually telling any people that I was selling. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And the minute I started to say, oh, by the way, do you want to buy this? Yeah. Like, I've got these spots available. Do you want to yeah. be one to one client? I've been sold out all year and that's all I wasn't yeah. doing because I felt grossed out by it and I, and I just yeah. didn't know how to do it in a way that felt good to me. So yes. For anybody that's listening that's on their healing journey that is feeling called to do other work that feels that ick, Becky is your lady. So what have you got for us? I'm going to put any links that you've got to share into my episode notes so they can find you. How can they find you? How do you work with people? All of the good yeah. things. Cool. Well, you can find me at hearttoheartsales.com. I'm Becky Colwell on Instagram and on um, LinkedIn. And I'm also um, providing just on, on a monthly basis some free training um via eventbrite so wow. uh, i'll give you the link for that because yeah, that's be diff- different things every month and people can just hop on there's there's no commitment there you can just see my style and, and learn some stuff without feeling icky or horrible about yeah, it yeah and just sell the thing that you're good at yes absolutely you, do, sell talk, the thing, you, you don't even have to sell it just have to talk about it yeah in a way that's that exactly. people want want to hear it that's exactly yeah. I love that I love the way that you say that because I, I know when I first started my podcast I didn't know I was going to sell anything and then it was because people resonated with my story and they asked me and that's how I started to then go into the world of yep. business yeah so, and that was just me sh- sh- sharing my story before uh, any coaches got their hands on me and told me the way things are supposed to be done I did that authentically as just as me and yeah. those those podcasts bring me in clients even today so your story who you are is totally enough and you can create magic really so absolutely 
pretty incredible. But it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I, I feel like we could do this all day long. I know. <laughs> Maybe, I feel like you already told us a bit about it anyway. I think there's a lot more to this story. You've definitely got to write a book at some point. That's one day, one day. You've got a lot there to share. And I'm, you know, I'm so sorry that all of that has happened to you. But I'm glad that it meant that we got we met and like we're doing this together. And I think that your story is going to help so many people. So thank you so much for being here, for listening and then contributing to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the invite, Manpreet. Absolutely lovely. Thank you. <laughs>